0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous special interview episode, Gen Con 2018. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode.
1: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.
0: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers in the insane fun we have at Gen Con 2018. This is Chris, and these are the interviews that we took during our trip to Gen Con 2018. We had an absolutely great time there speaking to all the publishers, designers, artists and gamers at the convention and we wanted to bring you some first-hand accounts of the conversations we had there so we are talking to aries games aeg bezier games flying frog games navu games adam's apple games keymaster games so take a listen as we talk about the hottest acquisition disorders and at the tables that'll be coming to your table real soon Here we are talking to Jim from Ares Games at Gen Con 2018. Jim is taking us through Battlestar Galactica and all the new upgrades to the flight pad system. Then we talk about tripods and triplanes, Master of the Galaxy, Sword and Sorcery and its expansions, and Lord of the Rings and the future for the franchise. Let's check it out.
2: This is Battlestar Galactica. Okay. So the first one, um, we're, we're doing demos here, we've got some of the production samples, so it's not final production yet, but these are some of the first pieces off the mold. This is based on the Wings of Glory rule set, so the idea that movement is simultaneous, combat is mu- simultaneous, um, each ship is unique, So or each Starcraft or each plane mm-hmm. is unique, so that you really get a sense of you're your flying something different. Battlestar Galactica is based on the reboot of the TV show, but then we also have the rights to do the original TV show as well. So we're able to actually bring a whole lot of the the intellectual property to the game table. We're doing an actual 3D space game. So you're actually working in a couple of different levels. You're actually having to deal with uh, kinetic energy and momentum and so One of the the really cool things about it is if you uh, look at one of the ships, if you look at here, that the bases actually rotate. So you can actually be moving in one direction, moving this way, but actually firing this way. And then when you kick in the jets, you can do kind of sharp turns, but then you have to deal with things like drift. So it really provides a, a... a space combat experience that we've not really had a lot of that that's a real space combat. We've, we've had basically airplanes in space sure. as opposed to real space and then this is the control panel so one of the things that that we've done is we've tried to simplify how a player sets up their move, what they're doing, whether they're going to raise elevation or go lower, whether, how they're going to rotate, their speed and then they can also take a look at their momentum and so momentum is something you have to track. You can't, you can't go in game terms, just uh, have a momentum of six, and then just stop on a dime. You're going to keep moving. So, how you how you manage that, and how you manage the the tactical situation, is a core component of the game. So, this should come out around Thanksgiving time. Okay. So, now at approximately the same time, this is uh, tripods and triplanes. So, we've talked about this, I think, a little bit before. So, we've really now we've we've got the final version of the tripods um, in the display case but at the end of the day this is also probably going to come out about the same time so around uh, Thanksgiving time we're hoping to debut both of these at PAX Unplugged and actually have them for sale there at that category so so those are the the kind of the two new things we've got right now we finally got our copies in of Master of the Galaxy great Uh, Masters of the Galaxy is a classic 4x game so you're actually uh, playing an alien race, it's, it's up to four players. Sure. You're trying to take control of the galaxy. Each race is different and you get d- different uh, benefits and hindrances that you have. Then you can actually have a couple different ways to win. So it is a resource placement game. Sure. So one of the things that you're trying to do is As you start, you've got a couple of, they're called agendas. When you complete agendas, they let you do things like gather cards or gather more resources, things like that. So as you complete agendas, you gather resources, more resources let you complete bigger agendas, let you expand your reach, so you're sort of stair-stepping your way up, you're building pathways to other solar systems, colonizing planets, setting up bases, and you can win like a classic 4X game. You can build your tech tree up, you can try to exterminate the other population. You can win culturally. Um, and so you can do the things that you would expect. It's a really straightforward game to understand and learn. So we can teach people the game and play a whole game in under an hour. Wow! If you get a bunch of people who are really competitive and really cutthroat and, and you're sort of all sort of even, even then the game can you know, be done in 90 minutes. So okay. really, really uh, fast and a, and a really fun experience. Got some of the new stuff for Sword and Sorcery as well here at the show. So okay. um, we had most of this stuff we had at Origins, but we now have Samara and uh, Kro- Krogan, I think it is? Krogan. And so two new character packs for Sword and Sorcery. So we're, we're actually now trying to make available for retail the, some of the packs that we had for the Kickstarter that not everybody was able to take advantage of. So we're okay. starting to roll those out and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get all the Kickstarter guys um, out on the market for those. So. Great. And you have Waterloo is out? Why? Right. So Waterloo is through our partnership with um, a firm called Pendragon. Yes. So Waterloo's been out for a while in Europe, uh, particularly the Italian version. And so we. Uh, worked with them to translate it into English, and so that Waterloo just came out, and also Pendragon's game Hexmonia, mm-hmm. which is a, a little bit different game. We just got it at the show, so I've not even opened the box yet. Okay. And so it's, it is sure. it is brand spanking new. Still smells like cargo container, <laughs> which, which is a nice, like new car sure. smell. That's yeah. a good thing, right? So, and then- um, Is there talk about another possible game or
0: expansion in the Lord of the Rings kind of trilogy? like? You have Hunt for the War of the Rings been out for
2: quite some time and then Five Armies came out. Hunt for the Ring. Are we going to still see more titles? Yes. Yeah, so one of the things that's it's nice about Ares is they've got a very strong relationship with the licensing firm that handles not the movie property, but the, the literary property. Yes. And so the license is they're very willing to do good products that expand, the, just like a good licensing partner was. They sure. want people to understand the property. And, and So they're a really good crew to work with. We have actually two things in the works for uh, War of the Rings, Lord of the Rings, but I'm not at liberty to talk about them okay. yet. Okay. I know,
0: this, I know the uh, Amazon's going to be having their series, so it's probably revive a lot of the fan base to look for more of that product. We,
2: we hope to, to ride the wave. It's That's always excellent. A, yeah, yeah, it's always a good thing. So, um, War of the Ring is back in stock. We're trying now, for a long time, War of the Ring is, is what most people know us for, War of the Ring and Wings of Glory. Yes. And so that property will will make a run and it sells out in 30 days and we no, we were supposed to have six months worth of product you know, <laughs> and it sells out so fast so we're having a hard time uh, i don't say gauging the interest but it, the interest always surprises us and so sure. we, we talk to retailers we talk to distributors about well how much do you re- you want we produce so that we have enough to last okay and it never lasts so um hopefully Hopefully we've got enough to go through the Christmas season sure. at least and then we can get it back on press and and uh, keep it available for folks.
0: Okay. Is it possible we might if Master of the Galaxy does well. We could see expansions for that as well.
2: Master of the Galaxy is actually produced by a Russian design team called Agrology. Okay. And so it's really up to them to see, you know, as sure. a design firm whether they would like to see something or like to to do something a little bit different or something more or whether they're moving on to the next game. Sure. Really, we're going to hopefully see what the market tells us. It has a ton of, of potential sure. to, to expand with races and making it six-player and things like that. So, uh, But I, I don't know whether that's in the, the works or not. Okay. I can tell you one thing that's in the work. We saw a mock-up of the next release of Monsters vs. Heroes, okay, great. which is Cthulhu-based. Um, Monsters and Heroes is sold in two half-decks, is kind of how we term it. So the first Monsters and Heroes was... London after midnight and Sherlock in Hell, so very thematic um, in regard to to the two those two kind of themes mm-hmm. but um, the next set is going to be Cthulhu based and it will be mountains of madness and think dung chore but don't don't, okay. don't quote me on the second one sure so looks really cool it uh, the art style is is similar but it really is, is quite a different striking uh, color palette and so we um the, the nice thing about Monsters vs. Heroes, each half deck plays four people, so if you have two half decks, you can mix and match the different ones and uh, play as, as large really as you want to play. Four player games, put two decks together, play a little bit longer game, and so each half deck has is very thematic in terms of gameplay. So you've got some decks that manipulate the discard, some uh, that manipulate um, the cards that are in front of you. Some manipulate your hand. So depending on on which of the half decks you play, you're going to get a very different t- tactical experience with the cards. Okay. Well, for Battlestar Galactica, the flight pass system. Will we see organized play for that at some point? We hope to. Yes. So yeah. we're we've been working with our organized play component. So right now, what we do is Aries. We try to, six to eight times a year, we try to do a demo night. So sure. what we do is we, we take our mailing list for retailers and we say, we're going to do a demo. We ask that you we'll give you all the stuff for the demo. And so we'll then, please just run the demo over the course of this 14-day period. Just yeah. run demos in your store. And then you get to keep everything as a, as a retail owner and just have it for your retail library. I would be surprised if we, don't do Battlestar Galactica um, maybe, maybe right before Christmas, but we haven't firmed up the last half of the, the year about what we're actually going to do in terms of, of demo spaces and, and, or, and events.
0: Obviously, the tripods and Battlestar Galactica is a big undertaking. Yes. Is there any thoughts of other themes or genres undertaking the Flight Pass system? Is that in the works
2: currently? So, one the things that are in the work right now are new releases for World War One, okay. World War Two, and um sales of glory so i would look at all three of those sets to get some attention while the focus has been on these pieces to shift back to the more historical pieces and do more there great so in 2019 that's our hope is that we can we can finish up some work there and get those out probably the second half of 2019 maybe the summer so
0: well thank you appreciate it absolutely here we are talking to todd from aeg games Speaking about Smash Up's bigger, geekier box, and its brand new expansion, Oops, You Did It Again, Mystic Vale Conclave Big Box, and its new expansion, Twilight Garden, The Captain is Dead Episode 2, Lockdown, Thunderstone Quest, and Edge of Darkness. Take a listen.
3: Yeah, so we have the Bigger Geek Year box, which okay. is our um, new collector box. Because our prior one. People were reporting that if they sleeve their decks, it was beginning to get full. Okay. And so we wanted to create one that had even more space for upcoming expansions so they could keep going. It introduces, it has a removable tray that holds all the tokens, the, like, the power tokens that you use sure. while playing. And we made a uh, fully comprehensive rule book that covers everything from the base game all the way up through the latest release. Oops, you did it again. Yes. Uh, which has a couple of new rules in it that we went ahead and put into the comprehensive rule book to make sure that it was covering the whole thing.
0: So the new box would be able to hold the new rule book. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yes. I think I saw online has, it has space for the, the tokens. Yep. There's a lot of tokens when you buy all the sets.
3: Yes, there were a lot of tokens. I, I mean, my Ziploc bag was getting really, really <laughs> full. So we made little wells that will hold them all. And it actually has a few extra wells for the next several years of expansions as well.
0: So, so is, the, is the general thought or consensus keep all the chits or is there an idea of like
3: I imagine there's a point where you reach you know maximum chit need but <laughs> for right now I've just hold on, I hold on to them all because I don't really worry about I don't want to do that count
0: like, yeah. I haven't done the math on that one yet so. I don't I think you would need oh, literally so. need one another big geeky box exactly, to hold just like all the chits all the chits the big geeky chit box uh-huh yeah, yeah. I know because I, I don't want to throw any of them away right but I right. you know because I could need them
3: but you never know right <laughs> Maybe there'll be a faction that just throws chits on the table. Eventually you'll have to have
0: premium chits as so just far. Right, right.
3: You exactly. know, or kind of like
0: a, a dial, like almost like the hero clicks, where, oh, it's this one, it's this one, it's that one. Keep up with the yeah. Okay. There's a faction in there, right, from one of the. Yes, one, the... so
3: the original Geeky Box had the Geeks faction. Yes. And because we're going to the bigger, geekier box now, we moved them into it so that people who just get the bigger, geekier box, will also be able to get the geeks. Okay. And last summer, we had an event kit that had the Smash Up All-Stars Faction, and we put them into the box, so people who weren't able to play in those events, the special events last year, have a chance to get them now, which okay. was always sort of our plan. It wasn't that we were ever going to say, like, no, you can't ever get them if you don't come to the event. It's just there's going to be a, a period of time where people who got to the event have them, and then you'll, you can get them later, and they can get them by... Purchasing the bigger Heat box now. Okay. So we have. Oops, you did it again. Yes. That just came out. Those were chosen by the players, um, and the factions that come in it are the Vikings, Samurai, Cowboys, and Ancient Egyptians. Okay. It took me just a moment. I had to. Rem- I had to go through the mechanics and remember <laughs> who was who. Yes, Ancient Egyptians are in there too. It introduces two slightly new mechanics. No new card types, but it does introduce two new mechanics where uh, the Egyptians focus on burying cards, which okay. is basically playing them face down to have an effect later when you flip them over. And then um, the Cowboys and the Samurai both use dueling, which is where one minion can call out another minion in a duel. You both get to play one action card for whatever effect it does, which could be a, a power boost. And then the minion with the higher power defeats the other one, and it's gone from the base. So basically it's a kill action, but you can also get a free action play out of it. Which, if you play an action that affects all your minions, then it it does. It affects all your other minions, too. So it's a a way to maybe get extra actions out on the board, too.
0: Is there any way, do you get feedback, or do you look for feedback about which faction or which combination is people's favorite?
3: Uh, Yeah, we generally keep our ear to the ground on that. Um, And we try to watch for which ones get played more and more. We know, for instance, that even all the way back to the first set, the zombies still get a ton of play among people. Yeah. Um, And there are some people who just don't play zombies anymore. (laughs) But, you know, it's just uh, various choices like that. But we always keep our ear to the ground, and we know that we do have some current... Uh, groups that actually uh, work uh, to make those groups not as strong anymore. Like they may have effects that could diminish the zombies' value and things like that. Not specifically targeting them. Uh, we never tried a silver bullet anything. Sure. But it would, you know, maybe be able to affect them and, and bring the balance a little more.
0: And now you middle. have a new bigger box to hold all of Mystic Vale.
3: We do. It's called Mystic Vale Conclave, and yeah. it is a big box to hold your Mystic Vale collection. It also introduces. It gives you two additional starter decks so that now you can play up to five or six players instead sure. of just four players. And it introduces a new mechanic called the light mechanic, which is like night and day. Twilight, I think, was the mechanic they called it. But basically, it's a system where it will allow two players to take their turns at the same time. So if you're playing four players, instead of having to wait for each person to take their turn, players A and C can take their turn at the same time, and then players B and D can take their turn at the same time. Interesting. And it moves the game along. A little quicker that way based on the uh, whether it's day or night and Great. we thought that since we were also now taking the player count up by two sure. that might be a good thing to introduce way yeah. to keep the downtime to so as minimal as possible okay.
0: and you also have a new expansion for the captain is dead we do
3: it is it well it's it's a standalone sure. so we call it a sequel because yeah. we're treating captain's dead like it's a tv show and um, in this one the uh, crew Uh, found themselves getting a replacement captain after their last mission of rescuing the ship. And they did get a replacement captain, although they were immediately then captured by the aliens and thrown in prison. The aliens chose to execute the captain to send a message. So now, yet again, the captain is dead. Um, The crew has to escape the prison, hotwire an alien ship, and get away. It's It's actually quite a bit different from the original one in that in the original game, you had your ship and you could lose systems as the ship got damaged. And this one you have access to nothing because you're on the alien prison. And you have to hack into their systems to try to gain control and get new actions and things like that. There's patrols of aliens moving about the prison. There's like the lieutenant and um, slicer aliens who will come in and cut you out of systems that you've gotten into. Um, And the aim uses a, a system we call the concealment level where the more you keep doing, the more notice they begin taking. And if Concealment ever gets to zero, then they just go to shoot to kill. So if you encounter them after that, and throughout the game if they encounter you, they'll just bop you on the head and put you back in the jail. But at a certain point, they get fed up with it and they'll start killing you. So you have to try to escape before that happens. Okay. How about Edge of
0: Darkness? You had the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. We had
3: a, yeah, we had a successful Kickstarter for Edge of Darkness. It's currently at the factory in production right now. It'll be Great. shipping out to people. Uh, it'll probably be next year, uh, early next year, before people receive their copies, hopefully okay. sooner than that. Um, but right now it's still in that stage, and we'll be making plans for what we're going to do with it going forward after that. We know that we are going to do things with it because it was such a successful Kickstarter for us. Sure. Um, but we uh, have not decided exactly what direction those are going to take.
0: Okay. Will we see a full production copy? Maybe I pack some plugs?
3: Um, possibly. Okay. I'd love to have one by then, but we'll see if we're able to. Sure. So, um, And then uh, we also have one game that we are previewing over on the other side. Yeah. It's coming out this November. It's called Scorpius Freighter. In okay. Scorpius Freighter, you are a uh, captain of a smuggling vessel, uh, bringing goods in and out of the Scorpius Star Cluster. Um, where the government has a very iron-fisted control of what goes on in there. So you're trying to bring goods and black market things to the people who, who want them. Uh, what's interesting is there are three ships on the board that orbit three planets. And around those orbits are your actions that you can take, such as getting contracts up, getting your ships, getting new crew, things like that. But all of us move those ships. So for instance, if I want to upgrade my crew, I have to slide it around to the crew action. If you then decide you want a contract, you could pick one that has a contract and slide it around. Once a ship makes a complete orbit around a planet, it gets a bit of cargo put on it. Sure. I like to describe that as the heat. You're drawing. Everyone's drawing too much attention to what's going on. But okay. once a ship gets full of cargo, the game's over, because the government has noticed what's happening. And they clamp down on everything, so you try to score as much as you can before that happens. But you are all advancing it okay. toward that end. So I've sort of described it to people as a push everyone's luck game, is the way it the way it plays. Nice. Uh, Thunderstone Quest. Oh yes, yep, Thunderstone please. Quest. We are smack in the middle of our second Kickstarter for it. Uh, the first yep. one was a huge success. We decided to go back. We also introduced what we call back to the dungeon in this one, where we have quests and add an additional content. That uh, will make it a solo game and a co-op game. Okay. And they're a lot of fun. You have to defend the city. We call it barricades mode because there's actual barricade uh, punch-outs that you can put on the village to like build up walls to try to stop the yes, yeah. monsters coming through. And um, it's uh, already been a huge success for us. It funded extremely quickly. Uh, we're really excited about it. And anybody who did not take part in the first Thunderstone Kickstarter. Um, can back it. They'll get everything that was unlocked from the first one and the new content. Brave. And people who did back it in the first one can come and just back the new content at a lesser price so they don't have to... Okay. We're not Where expecting you, you to buy the whole game over again, <laughs> yeah. but you can just get the new content. as well. And when is that, when's that? the release time for that one? So this one will complete uh, its Kickstarter in on the 17th of this month. Okay. It'll be the final day. And we're looking to have it out by early next year. Are we going to see organized play for that? Um, I'm not sure of that yet. Okay, I've got to talk to the designer about that. But right now, um, it's just been... We're, we're still figuring out its future. We know we have a lot of stuff planned, and we have a lot of expansions and new quests planned, but sure. uh, we're deciding how it's going to go. We have said we are going to bring the, the uh, game to retail before the end of this year. Sure. Um, we won't necessarily have all the new stuff from the new Kickstarter, obviously, because that's still in development, but the original one will come to uh, retail very soon.
0: Well, Todd, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. I'm at Gen Con 2018, and here I am speaking to Ted Alsbach of Bézier Games about his brand new game, Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, which he co-designed with Rob Davio. Take a listen to the interview and try to figure out which one of us is the werewolf. Yeah, it's not clear. Werewolf Legacy.
4: All right, so uh, in Ultimate Werewolf Legacy, um, you actually are set up to play 16 games of werewolf. Um, And this is the kind of the long form werewolf with a moderator where you have, in this case, uh, 8 to sixteen, cl- or eight to 15 players plus one player who's a moderator. And you're going to go through each of these games, and as you go through the games, depending on who wins or loses, or decisions that the players make, things will change in future games. And you have to have eight people minimum, eight people plus a moderator, so really nine total people in order to be able to play. Um, not only will you change what basically the scope of all future games, but you're also gonna change the abilities of the individual players. So there are these character cards, and each player will have one of these, and if they achieve certain goals or do something special, they may get a title, and that title gives them a super special power that they can use from then on, the rest of the campaign. Okay. Uh, and the players can have multiple titles and different things, so the game itself changes, the player's abilities change, Um, all the way through, and you end up playing about 25% of the content of the game because there's so many different branches you can go into. And so pretty much no two games are going to be about the same. They're all going to be different somehow because of all the different choices people are making. Um, So you can actually replay it, and we have a replay pack available, which is basically a diary and those character cards. So you can just get that, and you have all the other components you can still use again, and you can play through it multiple times that way. So that's that's the basic idea, but it comes with this amazing, amazing diary, which is you know hundreds, hundred pages of moderator guide, stickers, um, all sorts of cool stuff. in now the, the nice thing about this is, you know, we just have to make, basically make a new version of this diary, yeah. uh, you know, with the new scenarios. These are the scenarios that we thought were best for this. There's sure. other things we've talked about that we've dropped for various reasons that could make it in, in the future, Okay, you know, for follow-ups. Kind of like with Pandemic, season one, season two, Sure. same basic game, but the, obviously season two is a, is a big departure from season one in terms of the scope and what, what actually is taking place.
0: Will we eventually see a... Eric summer or some kind of app kind of jump in here
4: we, we have an app it doesn't need a, a, a narrator like Eric, okay. or we have an app that's basically a timer to help the moderator sure. move things along so the games don't take too long um, that's usually one of the complaints that anyone has with a werewolf type of game. Like can basically go on and on yeah, little yes. chat sure so we recommend strongly that people use a timer and it keeps the games to about an hour hour ten at the most even with a full um, you know 16 players so the book the I guess looking at these cards? Yeah, the character cards. Character, anything else in the... No, that's the only things you get in the replay pack because those are the only things that actually are
2: modified. Okay. okay. This is not a destructible
4: game. You don't sure. tear up cards. You don't get rid of anything. But you get a lot of things you can reuse. So some roll cards will never enter the game. Sure. Um, because they just weren't required for your particular scenarios. Uh, when you play through again, they might.
0: But you always have those cards built. Generally, I know, I know it'll be different for each game. How
4: long each session? How long total have you envisioned this to play out? So, um, well, in each game, like I said, it's probably between an hour and an hour ten. Okay. It depends on the group and you know if you are using a timer or not. But uh, there's 16 games total. Okay. So, yeah, 16 to 20 hours. You know, okay. For the most part, invested. The player who's the moderator is going to invest a little bit more time because they're going to be going through. They're going to prepare a little bit ahead of time, put some stickers in because of the results of previous games, et cetera.
0: Sure. Um, but overall, about 20 hours. 20 hours, yeah. oh, that's a good value. Yeah. All right, Ted. thank you that's so much. Definitely, that's It's Gen Con 2018, and BJ is talking to Flying Frog Productions. Two new expansions coming out for Shadows of Brimstone, their big blockbuster games, including Blasted Waste, and their upcoming Kickstarter, Forbidden Fortress. Not to mention a 10th anniversary release of Touch of Evil, totally updated and revised for those big fans out there. Here's the interview. All right, we're here with Jack from Flying Front Team. Jack, why don't you tell us what's coming out for Flying
5: Front. This September, we actually have uh, Blasted Wastes. It's uh, it's the deluxe Otherworld for Shadows of Brimstone, and this is by far the biggest and best of all of the Otherworld expansion packs. So it has uh, four new enemy types that uh, have new miniatures and new stats, all that stuff. All representing, you know, guys from the blasted wastes. Well, actually, not all. Most of them are aliens from the blasted wastes, this, you know, this acidic kind of very deadly and dangerous planet. Uh, Sulfurous, you know, rocky world with acid pools and... Everything is very inhospitable, but these creatures and aliens have eked out a living there, and a, yeah, a living, like they were, no, eked out some, you know, uh, an existence there, that kind of thing, and your, uh, your cowboys end up coming through a portal and and facing off against these alien inhabitants, and, and they've got this whole world that feels like post-apocalyptic, Mad Max-ish, you know, so there's a barter town in there that you guys can visit, there's um, there's uh, their own scavenge deck, their own loot deck because none of it, that stuff doesn't really apply to such a strange and alien world. And uh, and then uh, obviously a bunch of artifacts and encounters and a whole new map tile set for that. And uh, the flip side of the map tiles usually will be mine, of course, but for uh, for this one we thought, well, what if we actually explore another earth tile set and we go outside of the mines so we put together um, a set of tiles exclusive for this uh, Blasted Waste that are the canyons and so it's not in the mines underground it's actually outdoors in these canyons and when I said earlier not all the new enemies are these aliens there's also a new set of enemies called the Ghost Warriors and they're basically Native Americans that uh, that are obviously indigenous to earth and they're in the canyons and they paint themselves with white and black uh, you know body paint and are super deadly and this is we wanted to you know try to bring things back a little bit more into the Cowboys and Indians you know old school Old West we always try to keep it grounded in the traditional old West and we've been doing so many aliens and demons and things we wanted to circle back around and include some new stuff that's kind of traditional themes so that's coming out this uh, September Okay. and uh, And then, uh, after that, we actually are coming out with our third core set for Shadows of Brimstone. It's called Forbidden Fortress, and it launches, uh, it should be in retail stores uh, in mid-October. And uh, this one is one that people have been really, really excited about. We did a Kickstarter for it uh, a year and a half ago, and uh, it's basically all the rules set and same world as Shadows of Brimstone, but instead of starting out with heroes from the Old West and expanding to other worlds, it starts out focusing on feudal Japan. And so instead of playing you know, a gunslinger and a preacher and a saloon girl, you're playing as a samurai or a traveling monk, a ninja assassin or a sorceress. And so you start in feudal Japan, and, uh, and of course you're exploring temples and castles and that kind of thing. And we did, uh, you know, so that it has a different feel than the Old West. The Old West stuff, it's kind of confined mine, mine passages and, and, uh, and halls and, and openings. Um, instead, you're in Japan, you're in these temples, and, and it can actually open up into courtyards, and you can have big fights against ninjas or demons in a big castle courtyard with a giant statue of Buddha, you know. And so, we have some uh, boards you know, map tiles that just dwarf the previous ones that we've done. So it really has a different kind of feel than the original Shadows of Grimstone, but it's all 100% compatible. It's uh, it's completely interchangeable. You could have your Japanese heroes go to the Old West and all the other worlds, Blasted Wastes, Derelict Ship, Cinder. You could have your Old West heroes go to feudal Japan. Or the new uh, Forbidden Fortress um, Otherworld on the backside of Forbidden Fortress Tiles is the Belly of the Beast, where you find yourself inside of an enormous creature so big you don't even know what it looks like because you're just on the inside. And so you're traveling through, you know, esophaguses and down into the organs. And and of course, it's filled with all manner of creepy crawly organisms, bone eaters and tentacles, acidic tentacles and... um, and a gastral tyrant and flesh mites, all of these kind of you know creepy crawlies that you might find inside of an enormous uh, creature. So your Old West characters could, of course, come through to Japan or to the belly of the beast. You can even have mixed groups. So you could have, you know, well, our adventuring party is uh, a gunslinger, a saloon girl, a samurai, and a sorceress, and, and mix it up because they're crossing through, you know, via the portals to different locations and different time periods. So yeah, it's a lot of fun, and that should be in uh, retail stores in October. Um, also, I'm sure that you guys have heard, uh, this year is the 10-year anniversary of A Touch of Evil, our second game that, that came out, and uh, we're super excited about it, and we've been working on a new uh, 10-year anniversary edition of A Touch of Evil, where we kind of go back, like we did with Last Night on Earth, last year we did a 10-year anniversary. We're going to do the same thing, it'll be a big uh, one single print run, and that's all we're ever going to do, and then it goes away. So it's just kind of for the fans. It's not meant to replace A Touch of Evil. That's still you know, a, a popular seller and, and that kind of thing. We don't want to mess with that or, or mess anything up. We're, we're not making a second edition. We're making a limited 10th anniversary kind of pimped out edition, right? And so it's one printing. It's going to be numbered. So on the back, there's a laser hologram sticker with the number of you know what your number is, and that's it. The box is going to be big enough to hold the entire collection of, uh, of a Touch of Evil. It's going to we're going to go back and, and touch almost all the different pieces, revamp cards, you know, make sure all of all of them have uh, you know good colors and clarity. Over the years, doing different expansions, some of them it's like, oh, well, that one, you know, some of the pictures ended up a little bit too dark, or that one ended up a little bit more blue than we want. We're gonna bring them all in line, so it's one definitive version, not just of the pictures, but also errata that's come out. We're gonna change and update the cards. You know, um, the soundtrack, we're, we're not only remastering it, but actually recording new strings and new instruments. There's gonna be new songs. We touch basically every piece of it. So it's kind of a new definitive version. For the rule book, uh, it's going to be a collected works rule book where it has uh, all of the rules from all the expansions that have ever come out over the last 10 years, all put into one rule book and then uh, reorganized so that it all fits together into one cohesive rule set with a nice index and, an, and a table of contents and all this easy for referencing and looking up and also an expanded FAQ where it's we look at you know questions people have had after playing the game for a while over the years. Um, Besides that, we're also going to collect up all of the web villains that we've released over time, and they're going to be available for the first time in print. So instead of, you know, cutting out your own counters and gluing them to cardboard and stuff, we're going to actually have die-cut counters for these web villains. And um, and it's going to have lots of new content, pimped out miniatures for all of the different stuff. Um, so, you know, wounds and investigation. There's actually a miniature for... Um, for the uh, Spectral Horseman. It looks phenomenal. So you can now race through town, flopping off heads and that kind of thing. Um, and there's new miniatures for uh, each of the corner locations. So you actually have a big abandoned keep in the corner. Or you have like a, the windmill or the, the old woods. All of those are gonna have miniatures to help represent it. And again, it's meant to be kind of something for the fans to pimp it out like your ultimate version of the game. Um, and then the, uh, the town elders, um, they actually have little busts of each of the town elders, and it's, they really came out great. We're actually going to do, here at Gen Con, we're going to do a, a little preview of it, and we're going to show them off later today. So if you're, if you're around, you can check that out. Um, so yeah, of Evil 10, we're working really hard to try to get it out by the end of the year, because of course, this is the 10 year anniversary. Your listeners might also be asking themselves, what about those Fortune and Glory expansions you guys talked about? Um, Those we're still shooting right now because we ended up uh, behind a little bit on the Forbidden Fortress stuff that pushed A Touch of Evil 10 and back a little bit, and also Fortune and Glory. So those may actually slip to um, a release in maybe quarter one of next year. But the two uh, Forbidden Fortress, I'm sorry, not Forbidden Fortress, Fortune and Glory expansions are called Temples and Treasures and Lair of the Spider Queen, and uh, those are both um, brand-new expansions for Fortune and Glory, the first new expansions in a few years, and people have been really clamoring for it. I mean, it's Indiana Jones-style pulp adventure, everybody loves it, and they've been, you know, that's, that's the type of game that's so expandable, because there's so many ways you can go with it, and uh, I'm really excited with how this is coming together. Uh, Lair of the Spider Queen introduces a new vile organization, the Cult of the Spider Queen. It has three new villains for it, uh, and then all of their cultist minions. And so it's gonna have lots of new dangers and and everything associated with a brand new vile organization. Uh, Temples and Treasures, the other one, that of course focuses on expanding temples and treasures, it seems obvious. But the temples, there's gonna be a new temple deck. It really is kind of a deeper dive. So instead of just, you know, oh, I go to a temple, it's worth this much treasure. Now, instead, there's different you know types of things. You're going through the temple. It expands on that that experience, um, but it also has some new villains. They're not organized with a specific vile organization. There's an Amazon queen and her Amazon warriors, and then there's a um, witch doctor and his like tribal warriors. Sure. So we try to every time we do this, you know, a new expansion, we're like. How much can we put in here? What else can we fit? and you know is there room on the mold? Is there room on the die cut counter sheet? or're constantly trying to like just just fill it with as much stuff because every single one of these games or expansions we do, it's like it's like an opportunity. you know like we're still those gamers that, that it's like oh the dream is to make our own game. And so even though we've been doing this for 11 years now, every single time we we don't take it for granted it's like what more can we do what can we add what would be the most fun and we're trying to to fill it up we always talk about the bag of chips we don't want any of our games to feel like a bag of potato chips where you open it up and it's all air and at the bottom there's just a few components you know so we're we're gamers ourselves and it's really important to us to make the kind of games that we're proud of that we love to play and uh, and we want we want our fans of our games to have the experience that we have or that we want. You know, if you buy a game, you want it to be chucked full of good stuff. We want like really awesome minis and we want lots of bits and and hours and hours of replayability and years and years of fun. Social stuff, heavy theme, you know, soundtracks, like all of it. Like we're all about it. So yeah. All yes. right. Well thanks. Sir. That's from uh, Frog
0: Production. All right, thanks cool. a lot. It's Gen Con 2018, and BGA's talking to Seth from Navu Games about The Reckoners, a cooperative board game based upon the books by Brandon Sanderson, where you must defend the city of New Cargo and defeat Steelheart. Here we go. I said, so why don't you tell me about Reckoners?
6: Yeah, The Reckoners is a big box cooperative game for one to six players, and it takes about 90 minutes. Okay. The goal of the game is to defeat Steelheart, who is a big bad super villain. Okay. He rules over the city of New Cago, which is Chicago in this post-apocalyptic world, and the Reckoners are a group of operatives who have sprung up to defeat this, you know, these powerful supervillains like Steelheart. So, they will be trying to save the city of New Cago before Steelheart and all of his epics destroy it and at the same time assassinate Steelheart. So they win if they manage to do that before the city gets reduced to zero population.
0: I know that we're talking about the book series here. So are we also talking about future releases and expansions, possibly?
6: Yeah, we hope so. So far the reception's been extremely great. We've uh, sold out on our first day here at Gen Con. Great. Thank you. Uh, so we have pre-orders available on our website, but fr- frankly our first print run's going extremely fast. So we have a lot of interest. We're really working to you know, figure out exactly what we, our next steps are going to be as far as a reprint and uh, expansions. But we're, we're really excited to do more content based on the books in the future.
0: Okay. Does this take any liberties? Does it take it in a different direction than the book series? Could we see any kind of alternate content? Like, will you find something new in here that you didn't find in the book series?
6: Yeah. So Brandon actually uh, gave us some exclusive content for the board game. So we uh, we have about a sixty-page booklet that comes inside of the boxes right. for the Kickstarter editions, um, and so that is available for fans to discover if they purchase the game. Okay. Um, but the game itself uh, tries to avoid any spoilers that are inside of the book. So fans who you know are uh, haven't read the series yet but play the game you won't notice anything that uh that you wouldn't otherwise get if you read the books okay. um but uh there is sort you know for fans of the series there is a couple of things in there to just take you know be aware of i suppose um but uh you i guess you'll notice a bunch of interesting little intricacies about the books or equipment and little little hidden nuggets in the game's design that will uh, that hopefully you'll appreciate okay so the
0: Kickstarter wrapped up. Yep. If you want to
6: pick this up, where should we go? You should go to nabu.games.com okay. and uh, click on the pre-order banner that's there and uh, try to get a pre-order before it sells out.
0: Okay. And is there any online like resources as far as walkthrough, playthroughs? Think, like where do you recommend to go and check it out if people want to see the game in action?
6: Yes, we have multiple playthroughs on our on our website as well, where you're pre-ordering the game, so you can watch them there. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it.
0: Gen Con 2018 and BJ is sitting down with Adam Apples Games talking about their recent success on Kickstarter with Sword Crafters the board game. I got a chance to sit down with Adam and talk about the game and it's great success.
1: First off, this is a game called Sword Crafters. You are building a three-dimensional sword that you can hold as you play it. Uh, At the end of the game, you're comparing your sword versus the opponents at the table. You're comparing it on three things. The longest sword gets six points. A sword that has quality or gems of matching color type on the same side, you get two points per gem. Right? You score that for every side, so you're always trying to piece things together correctly. Right? The third thing you score is sword magic. That is a combination of two different types of gems. And uh, you the most of that combination gets eight, second most four, third most three. So that's kind of the rules. I go through that because it's such a physical and visual game that it really helps to determine, understand what you're doing what you're trying to create. So okay. how do you play the game though, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, each round, and there's six rounds of the game, each round we're going to create a 4 by 4 grid of tiles. Okay. On your turn you can make a vertical slice or a horizontal slice in all the tiles, alright? Yes. Each player does that. So here's my slice, this gentleman makes a slice here. A slice oh, nice. here, and another slice here. right so that's a four-player game. Now it's back to the first player's turn. Yes. First player gets to choose all, all of one of the groups okay. and craft them into their sword. So what does that look like, and why do I care? Right, I have two red, purple, and orange. Okay, so mm. where can I fulfill like that that quality match best? So here's red and orange, mm, red and purple. I'm gonna go red and purple here. There are also two blues here. Blues this game uh, are going, uh, going to be 44. valuable because of the sword yeah, Okay. And so once you grab a sword, off, a sword so tile, tile, you craft it in your sword just like that. So mm-hmm. See how I uh, so uh, extended the quality run players, so on the, the sword? Yes. So now you'll notice I'm crafting a blue into the sword, but that doesn't help my person, quality. Good thing I have a junk side, so I'm able to put that there and not break my quality. But now I have to break quality here, so I can't hold this back and wait. I have to put it in my sword. my my decisions had ramifications and in this game, in this situation. Um, That's my turn. Someone else grabs a group of tiles, grabs another sword. After the last player grabs a group of tiles, we set up a new grid and we play another round. So the game is played over six rounds. Winner is the best played at the end of the round, or at the end of the game. Now there is one special tile in the grid of tiles. We have a what is called the forge tile. If you draft the group of tiles with the forge in it, okay. you are going to be the first player next next round. So you have first to cut, yes. first to select. So that turn order is powerful, right? And that will be rotating and bouncing around over the course of the game. If you're the last player of the game, you kind of have a bad turn order position. Your job is to cut that first player down to size and make sure that they're not going to get a valuable pick with that first player tile. Okay. Yep. That's the original game. Um, 30 minutes, 1 to 5 players, and and uh, plays ages six and up, so it's a ton of fun. Sure. And you, even if even if you lose, uh, you end the game with this awesome sword, you're gonna be taking sword selfies. Yeah, so.
0: Can't wait to take pictures with this. This is great. It's, it's super cool.
1: Um, is, does it ever get into it, it? does. So we have, what I just explained to you is, is the base game of we sure. Crafters. We're, we're gonna be delivering that to the hobby retail in September uh, for $35. Um, But what we have today, what we're looking at, is actually the expanded edition. So this includes three different modules to the game. First module is sword tips. Okay. If you satisfy this this goal on the sword tip, two plus blue gems, two three okay. plus purple gems. <laughs> then you're gonna place the tip on and you're gonna score the victory point bonus on the sword tip. Okay. Alright? The second thing yes, no, about the not game not is we have here. sword mastery. So imagine that the monsters of the kingdom are getting ready to attack, danger is sure. imminent. You are trying to prepare your blade to be uh, fitted against the goblins, for instance. If you can craft a green, green, blue in your sword, you may claim this card, and your sword is ready to go against the goblins, right? The third module, and these modules can be um, added, subtracted, and compounded as well, so you can play with all of them if you want for a really medium intense swordcrafting game. But third module is the sword relics. You, there are eight types of sword relics they impact scoring and add special actions to the game. And they go into the grid, and so they follow all the cut and slice selection rules already in place with the store tiles. Okay. So we place four different tiles out. We cut, slice, select. You may get some relics, you may not, but that impacts your decisions. This is one of my favorite ones. I'm going to talk about this right now. The Sword of Might. You get plus one victory points for every blue sword tile in your in your sword and minus one for every yellow. So it could be great, it could be poison. Um, and that's an example of kind of the, the relics of the game, or the or the, the expanded edition. So, it's wow, a ton to awesome. offer here. And we also have a solo mode as well. You want to hear about that? Yes, please. Just like the original game, you're setting up a grid of sword tiles. Sure. You are, laying out one through four opponents based on these solo mode cards. So, okay. the more sword opponents you lay out, the harder it's going to get for you. These opponents have a defined quality and defined sword length, but they and they also have a defined mix of gems, okay. all right? Now, on your turn, you're going to be flipping up the backside of these opponents, all right? So, there's 10 of these opponents in the game. The backside is a cut plan, all right? So, this solo mode comes up, this card, and that means I have to cut Vertical, vertical, horizontal, horizontal. So in the grid of tiles, here's what it would look like. So on the side, this project, this We do vertical, right? Let's say vertical, right? Uh, and then let's say horizontal and horizontal. So I now I can take these four and craft them in my storage. So it's kind of a puzzle about how do I get to the tiles that I want to get to. Sure. And at the end of the game, I'm comparing my sword against the three or however many opponent cards I flipped up. Yeah. So the solo mode takes 10 to 15 minutes. It's really an interesting puzzle. Okay. It's, it scales in challenge, which is a lot of fun, sure. because you can have more opponents. And uh, play, it, it's fun. It's just a fun little puzzle. Absolutely. Wow. Fantastic. So you could really seed the game
0: for the player and make it a little heavier, a little lighter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It's excellent. And,
1: and it's, a, it's a great way. I mean, it's, it's kind of how I learn games when I'm getting ready to teach them. So yeah. I'll always go through the solo mode. And learn the content, and you really get a flavor for the mechanics, and then it's so much easier to teach it at that point too. And you, it's it's ironically, I cut you choose kind of
0: thing. I
1: know. <laughs> we we think we have the edgiest game on the market. Ah. So <laughs> we'll See what I did there?
0: That was a cutting retort. I like that. right Let's Keep going. We'll be here all week, people. We'll be here all week. And this is coming out. You said there when it says retail, will we see expansions for this? Is this? Is yep. This,
1: so right now we don't have any expansions uh, besides the expanded edition, designed sure. and ready to publish. But we, uh, we we've had a, an awesome gaming convention, um, and we are just about sold out of the game. So um, people are loving the game. People are loving it, the, There's a lot of hype around it, and um, this is going to be probably our this is going to be our first priority to start expanding and and developing this this concept even further. Right. So. Um, the mind is racing with what else we can do with Sword Crafters. All right, Adam, thank you so much. Thank you.
0: It's Gen Con 2018, and BGA is sitting down with Keymaster Games, speaking to Maddox about three games that they recently had released, Campy Creatures, Caper, and Space Park. Take a listen. Hi, hey, Max, why don't you to take us through your games here? We go. Have-
7: Yeah, so we got Campy Creatures here. Campy Creatures is a game where you're a mad scientist and you're trying to capture mortals for your experiments, of course. But uh, you don't want to do the dirty work, so you're going to send out your hand of uh, creatures to do that for you. So every turn, uh, some mortals are going to come out, depending on the number of players, that's different. And then everybody starts with the same hand of creatures. Everybody's going to choose a creature, play it face down, and then reveal what they chose. The kicker here though is whoever played the higher number creature gets is going to get first pick of the mortals that are out next highest gets next pick and so forth but abilities can kind of throw things into the mix okay. allow you to capture two mortals maybe or it might allow you to force another player to discard right. a creature pretty simple straightforward like light light bluffing deduction love letter-esque um, okay. game but it's a uh, for that like casual gamer crowd but gamers would love it of just like starting game nights with it they've uh, often said that they love opening game nights with it so uh yeah it's a 30 minute style game two to five players um yeah that's campy who's the uh, artist for that artist is josh emrick amazing I really love the thank artwork thank you thanks so much okay tell us about uh spa- space park space park yeah so in space park you are a galactic explorer you're going to be going to different uh, parks across the galaxy. We were like, what if there were national parks in space? Nice. Um, and so as an explorer, you're going to, of course, ride some rockets. So there are going to be three rockets across these different places that are out um, on the board. Okay. You can only visit a place with a rocket on it during your turn. The rocket, once you visit that place, you're going to take its action. Then it's going to move to the next open destination clockwise. Okay. So you're thinking about where do you want to go, but what actions are you giving to the other players? To do that, you're collecting crystals and doing other things in order to complete space badges that can give you points and abilities. The player with the most explorer points at the end of the game is going to win. Um, and the, each place has its own unique kind of action that you can take it to help you uh, further towards that goal. Excellent. And caper? Caper is a two-player game. Okay. In, uh, in it, you are a mastermind thief, and you're going to be hiring a crew of thieves to go to different parts of town. There'll be okay. three different locations out each game, different each game, um, and then. From there, you're going to be giving your thieves different gear cards uh, in order to try to win those locations. So uh, the, the kicker here, though, is that in it, it's drafting. One player will play a card, then another sure. player will play a card, and then you're going to exchange hands. Of course, because you know the, if you don't hire those guys, sure. then they're going to go to the other mastermind and see if they'll hire them. Okay. So as you're playing cards, you're thinking about what do you need, but also what are you giving your opponent? Um, and then from there, at the uh, it's kind of like a, a point salad at the end. There's a lot of ways to score points. So whoever won those locations, you'll score those. Uh, and then your thieves and gear can also give you some points. So you're going to tally all those up, and whoever has the most points at the end wins. It's a 30-minute game, but it feels like a whole bunch of game goes down uh,
0: in, in those 30 wow, minutes. Wow, it's just three excellent games. A really diverse and like said, an interesting, dynamic kind of gameplay. I really love this. Thank you so much. All right, so that's everything from Keymaster Games. So- Appreciate it. All right, so that's everything from our special interview episode, Gen Con 2018. But that's not the end of our coverage. Stay with Board Gamers Anonymous for continuing coverage of the games that hit the table at Gen Con 2018. And every night is game night for more interviews from the great designers. Until next time, this is Chris, and this was Gen Con 2018 at the table.